Welcome to Earful of Dirt, the Major League Rugby podcast. Featuring Aaron Castro in Arizona, Liam Poach in Boston, and Craig Gradelli in New York City. For those of you new to the podcast, each week the guys share news, views, and abuse from Major League Rugby, the United States Professional Rugby Union, along with information on the USA national team. With all that said, let's get on with the show. And we're live. Welcome to Your Full of Dirt, the Major League Rugby Podcast. Thank you for joining us. I Corey used to say a lot, but um, you know, if you want to check out his podcast, uh, it's called Pop Culture Shock. I think they pop, they pop culture crush. Pop culture crush. I think Pop Culture Shock is another podcast, but that's a podcast yeah. he's doing with his wife. Um, I think they wake up at like five a.m. on Saturday to record that, so that's the reason why he's not here. Um, that's just dedication. Yeah. in Iowa. He, he's he's pretty busy. Up at five a.m. So, Saturday. Um, I'm Aaron Castro in Arizona. As always, I'm joined by Liam Poach in Salem, Mass. You know where they had the witch trials, and mm-hmm. uh, Craig Gradelli in New York. So, how's everyone's week been? It's been busy. Definitely been busy, but I'm glad to be hosting and I'm glad to be looking forward to MLR season three. Finally, We're, yeah, it's game week, baby. No, no more of this American football business. Game week, and you know, past week was very exciting. Some major sporting events. Of course, I'm talking about the Six Nations. Uh, fantastic. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, yep. I- I'm glad I was able to drop in and watch some Six Nations, you know? <laughs> <laughs> just, drop. just watch the – yeah. Uh, so so Craig definitely picked England. I picked England. Um, <sighs> thank you, England, for, for screwing that one up. Um, That's okay. I'm- I loved it. I love watching every second. I'll take a wrong pick to see a Six Nations where after round one, I mean, other than Italy, could any of the other five nations win? I mean, who is really out of it at this point? It looks pretty even. Um, I I like it. Well, I mean, if if you continue dropping the ball as you as you as you go to like you know put it down in the end goal if you if that's going to be a regular thing for your team then I don't think you're going to win. Yeah, uh, like 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 that. Just encapsulates Scotland for me. Oh yeah, that was that was insane. It's just everything. It's like the bad luck, crappy fans. Just it all came together in that one moment. That, that one. one that one was that one was rough. And then also uh, Johnny Sexton feigning faking an injury to his mouth. That was great. Um, we'll see if he gets get fine. We'll see if he gets fine. Uh, well, I'm I'm sorry. Uh, you know, <laughs> we could just step our game up, Johnny. But. Uh, yeah, so DuPont and Patrick Mahomes need to be boys. You you don't put on a performance at Scrum Half like that without being becoming world famous. So good, good for DuPont him. DuPont didn't throw any interceptions. Just saying. Well, but he won the game. I mean, Mahomes won the game. Like, um, yeah, I that was so when I, I would say that the Garoppolo. Shanahan press conference after the game is probably exactly like the Eddie Jones and Owen Farrell press conference after the game. Like that, if you you could just take that, just watch that, and you bypass bypass the Shanahan, uh, you know, Garoppolo press conference and whatnot. It was just when they were up twenty to ten, I was like, this is over, and then. 
they just didn't do nope. anything. It was it's just a standard Kansas City operating procedure. Just go down. Nope. Just take go down. it from a Patriots fan. When in doubt, Kyle Shanahan will blow the lead. <laughs> <laughs> oh, baby, did it come? Like, I mean, like it's it, it was just a direct parallel to the to, to the twenty eight to three. It's like I'm gonna throw it on first and second down. Let's see what happens. Yeah, was, How about the uh, Tom Brady Hulu fake out? Uh, oh yeah! Like, oh my oh. God, Tommy B. I, I thought he was going to announce his retirement. That was that was my pick. Yeah, they, uh, he, for, it, that was an intentional troll job. I mean, he, he clearly was trying to trick you to think he was going to announce his retirement. Give it that up was, to Hulu, man! Great, great commercial. Joke. He was wearing he was wearing a turtleneck because Giselle uh, laid on some hickeys. Just be real. Oh, def- definitely, dude. But that's, that, that's that's what happens when you're a king and queen. You just you get, you get to do stuff like that. It was, it was a it was a good game. It definitely wasn't boring. Um, the halftime show was entertaining. The I guess there were two political ads. One of them I didn't even know was there. Like I had to, I, I was reading Twitter this morning. I was like, really? There was there was a Bloomberg ad. There was. What what is there not a Bloomberg ad? Like every, every YouTube video, every Spotify playlist that you're not paying for. It's I wish I was a Blue, Bloomberg and Steyer, Steyer, whatever the heck, heck that dude's yeah, name is. So yeah, Once so time I got a Bloomberg scholarship to college. So thanks, Mike. You put oh, commercials <laughs> wherever you'd like. Oh, nice. So. All right, moving on. Uh, that you know, rugby gotta, thing, right? We gotta, we gotta, we had to touch on the game because that's what uh, 103 million people watched in this country yesterday. So uh, that is a cultural experience, as we've previously talked about. But to get into what we're going to look at this week, um, you know, we're back. Uh, we'll look at week one. We will be back every night on every Monday night at 10 p.m. Eastern. I think at least until the time changes and then I'm, we're all kind of screwed because I'm in, I have a class on Monday nights. Um, but we're going to predict our outcomes uh, for, you know, uh, obviously week one in our, in our preview here, but uh, the season, because people have asked us about that. We did touch on it during the preseason, but you know, maybe we should actually, now that the preseason has come and gone, hit it up pretty hard. And then, Answers to questions from Bob B. Bobberson, a.k.a. Um, hey, Bob, you want to sponsor that segment? Um, you know, because we named it after you. Just saying. But, uh, yeah, uh, we'll get into uh, listener questions and uh, then get out of the way and get ready to enjoy week one of Major League Rugby. Uh, so Saturday, game one is 12 p.m. Eastern. Raptors at Houston. What do you got? Well, so the Raptors, uh, one thing for the preseason, I think they surprised a a few people with the fact that they actually won games, uh, considering the turnover in their roster and and in their coaching staff and even in their front office. Um, However, they, they... they they see they see they they at least seem to be to be keeping it together. However, when it comes to Houston, they dropped two of their preseason fixtures. Granted, one was against the uh, the Mako Mako whatever the heck you want to call of them, uh, but the other was a total blowout to to the Nola Gold. So luckily, the 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 uh, the Cats they only need to take on the Gold only once once a year now, uh, considering the divisional split. So right there on either side of the Mississippi River. Yep. 
but um so no more so our i don't want to say no more of that gulf coast rivalry but we it definitely won't be as uh, frequent however a shoddy performance against a team that missed the playoffs last season is definitely concerning uh, we know the Sabercats scrum is definitely packed, and I'm going to be interested to see how guys like uh, Lutz especially fits in in the back line and where they uh, end up sticking Kalinisau and uh, uh, Pangelinen. Uh, but I definitely got to give this to the Colorado Raptors. I, I think Houston is, still has some kinks to work out um, considering the coaching turnover, and I, I just don't get it. I don't, I, I don't know how they weren't more competitive against the Nola Gold uh, over the preseason, but it – if you know, if, if nothing's really changing in Houston uh, fr- from last season on the level of play, I don't think uh, you know. I don't think it's going to work itself out in the early season. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree with with a lot of that. I think you know, Houston has kind of been the mo- maybe the most underperforming you know relative to expectations team in the first two years. Um, so I think at this point, you know, until they actually start performing better. Uh, consistently, I, I think it's going to be hard to pick them against other you know playoff caliber teams. Now, obviously, Colorado did not make the playoffs last year. They were first on the table in the first season, so that was a, a, a downward trajectory for them. I just have a feeling that this is going to be a revenge season for Colorado. I know I've said that before. I think they're coming back to prove that last year was the fluke, and – yeah, they brought in Renee Ranger. Uh, they've brought in they've brought in some talent. Um, until I until I see a, a what's up? Are you sure they've they've brought in Renee Ranger and Digby Ivana? Are you are you? Am I, I mean, sure they've signed them? Yeah, I'm not sure of anything in this in this league. They've signed but, them. Yeah, I'm not sure, but uh, but well, I haven't yeah, seen so I, until I see Houston with a more consistent track record of you know beating the upper half of the league, let's say. Um, yeah, they're they're not gonna get the benefit of the doubt for me, so I'm I'm tipping Colorado in this one. Mm-hmm. So, and the, the thing the thing about sorry, sorry to cut you off there, Aaron, but the the thing about the thing about Houston though is they it's not like they're short on any MLR vets. There's a lot of people returning, especially in the scrum. They have that they you know minus Pat O'Toole. They still have Charlie Connolly and Jamie D- uh, Deaver returning to that front row. They still have people like Luke Beauchamp. Uh, then in the back row, they have uh, Sam Windsor coming back, like. Like I mentioned, Pangelina and Kalinasau. This isn't a team that's looking to, you know, rebuild a ton of chemistry. This is a team that's been together, have their own facilities, their own practice field, their own stadium. Um, you know, they have they have a pretty comfortable, um, you know, arrangement when it comes to training facilities um, in terms of uh, strength and conditioning and stuff like that. So it, it's really hard to pinpoint what it is exactly in Houston that's causing you know this this habit of losing, despite the fact they have so many. You know, they have so many talented players on that roster. So two things. Uh, winning is a habit and losing is a habit. So if you learn to lose, you start to lose a lot. And in the first two seasons, well, in the first season and change, before they made a coaching decision change, they they learned to lose because they lost. They just – whatever it was, they just couldn't win games. Uh, but in addition to that – this is a hard pick for me, and I, I will commit to a pick at least for our pick them. Uh, but uh, everything that we've dug in on, there was, I, we, we didn't get to see a stream. I did see clips of the Colorado game uh, against Austin, and here's the thing. the So far, at least in that small sample size, the Colorado set piece struggled uh, where they were better and 
where they've been better for three seasons is in the back line. If they can distribute the ball and recycle it pretty fast and get it to their flyers. Cause you know, yes, they bring in Renee Ranger and Digby Ioani are great, but they have guys and they've kept guys that can ball like, you know, um, guy who was an under 20 all American, I think who was called into the Eagles uh, as a 19 year old or no 20. What is, what is the prodigy's name? Marley. What is it? Harley or Mika? No, no, no. Mika, Mika, Anna Cruze. Oh, Mika Cruze. Yeah. Mika yeah. Cruze. Like this kid is big. He's fast. He can cut. Like if you get him the ball in space, you're going to score touch you're, touchdowns. You're going to score but, tries. But here's the thing. Though, we've been saying this the last – We've been saying this the last two years, though, is that Mika plays with a really raw style. Um, I think he de- he debuted at only 19 years old, I believe, in, in season one of Major League Rugby. Didn't get a whole lot of time. Season two, everybody was expecting there to be this huge jump, and I and I, I don't think we really saw it. He's still a very raw player, um, like you know, great in space and stuff like that, but when it comes to tight window passing and playing the technical game uh, in tight spaces, I think he's still... Still has a lot to be desired, but hopefully year three is going to be the year where he starts to put all that together because the, the 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 ceiling of potential in that kid, like, like you said, is just astronomical. In this game, for me, it's a pick I I think I would lean more towards the Raptors. They have had some good – a lot of positive changes. If you don't bring in Renner to be you wanting who are – they are two of many players still waiting on visa approval, and, and that's a question that's been asked. What is the league – doing for visa approvals. Well, I know that the league is the league now that it has a business history co-sponsors every single visa coming for players coming in. So because contracts are centrally held, uh, if, if people don't know that, I mean, that's been a mainstay of the, uh, of the, the league governance is that every player, whether it's, uh, you know, an elite player or a player coach or a, uh, an associate player, their contract for their playing time and training is centrally held by the league and you know teams pay a bond before the season so that players get paid um it's it's pretty pretty simple right but then again houston um in the sample size that we've seen has you somewhat concerned right they 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 just they got walked over by nola uh, a couple of weeks ago and they struggled against you know the the baby sharks, uh, for for better or worse, and it, do, it is do, 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 it is a it, it, it is going to be hard to pick them. I think uh, what did when I look at this, the set piece is going to be huge because what what I did see is that when they held onto the ball, Houston was able to move against the front with intensity against the Mako. Uh, they 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 did not hold onto the ball at all against the gold. And, and that was a struggle for them. So uh, if, if they win the set piece, we've seen that at least previously their attack has been disjointed. Whereas Glendale, um, from what I understand with the way they're running their attack, uh, it's still relatively similar to the previous seasons. They don't, they don't need to win the set piece to win games. Like they, that's we saw that in season one, and they still have a core of players that have been there from season one to season two that know how to play. So if they can just get their tempo right and not lose every scrum, 
they can win in this kind of like mid tier game. Um, Cause that's what, that's what we got is two mid tier teams from last season. Uh, I would say Glendale away or not Glendale, but Colorado away by four is where I'm going. This is a good time to uh, remind everyone to join our super brew uh, pool. You can hold these picks to us though. Uh, disclosure, they may change between now and the final lock-in, but uh Oh, I, I locked my scores in already, baby. Uh, and I'm going Colorado well, on, minus on seven. Super Brew, on Super Brew, yeah. they might not be the same as right now. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. You know, I, I, in order to remain consistent, I, I checked my Super Brew picks uh, before putting it, putting it in the script. But I'm going Colorado minus seven on this one. I think it's going to be a closer game than people give the, uh, the Sabercats credit for. But in the end, Colorado gets this victory. All right, I'm the biggest spread then because I'm, I'm going Colorado by nine. Ooh. All right, moving forward to game two. Uh, the So the Raptors versus Houston, based on what my YouTube television tells me, is on ESPN News at two, 12 p.m. Eastern time on Saturday. Um, so and that's, that's what my YouTube TV is telling me. So we haven't seen official announcements. Uh, I think that's going to be cleared up before Friday, but I don't know. Uh, you know, we've all been asking those questions and a lot of, for a lot of reasons, they haven't been answered yet, but, uh, so the next game, uh, just to say when it is, it is at 4 PM Eastern time, old glory travels to NOLA. That is game two. Uh, and they are playing at the gold mine. What do you guys think? I think uh tough way to start your MLR, uh, career here as an expansion team for Old Glory going to, down to NOLA. Uh, obviously, NOLA last year, very successful, particularly at home. Um, they had a very, in my mind, they were probably the most improved team in season two relative to season one. So they've showed they could build systems. Now, they don't have Tristan Blewett coming back, who was a big part of that build last year. But still, I think they have enough attacking weapons and a great consistency of most of their you know, key pieces from last year are back, uh, including the coaching staff. So um, I think Old Glory has a lot of talent, and I'm, I can't wait to see Beast scrumming in uh, in the MLR. But I think Nola's going to win this one. I'm I'm going Nola by eight. So I'm I'm going to agree with you on the on the final outcome. Uh, obviously, watching the Beast make his debut is going to be on every everybody's minds. Uh, overall, DC they looked reasonable in the preseason for an expansion side. Um, but I think pace is going to be the key in this. Uh, Nola, uh, they're a team with players who know how to move quickly, and that's even sans Tristan Blewett, who, as you mentioned, Craig, he decided to return to university in South Africa, um, you know, get some devel- development in there under some really good coaches, so big ups to that kid. However, they like, like, like we were just talking about, they put a beating on Houston last week, which was a team with plenty of veteran players in their own facility to com- comfortably train at, so... I don't see an upset coming in this one with uh, the chances of an expansion team beating one of the original seven are pretty low. So I'm going Nola minus 12. I don't know if the beast is here yet. I know his visa is approved, but I don't know if he's on the ground. I did check Instagram just now and there was no story from him. So we'll see. Uh, I'm uh, imagining some sort of like helicopter flying in with a big cage I, dangling from I it. He ground, like, I mean, he, he's ready to play. Cause I remember talking to Andrew Douglas last week uh, on that show. I, I, I work on, I'm not a 
that I'm not a personality on. <laughs> and uh, he was like, you know, of the last five years for the Sharks, uh, Tendai has, you know, just because of he's basically a an automatic starter for he was previously an automatic starter for the Springboks. He didn't really do a lot of preseason. He didn't play in the preseason games. He just needed to be fit, and he's always been in excellent condition. So could he play on Saturday? Uh, yeah, he he could, and it would be uh, some huge pressure on the likes of like Ben Tarr and Kevin Sullivan and all of those guys. However, um, you know, having if if you if you win the set piece in this league, we've seen, you know, that is what uh, wins the league t- two years in a row. The best set. What, piece. what wins the league is is if is if your mall is top tier. If you're in the upper you know, the, the, the upper half of the league in terms of your maul, mauling ability, that that's like the difference of two or three games in terms of your final record. I big, swear to God. Oh, yeah, big time. Um, So if if DC's set piece is good, uh, it will be it will be interesting to see what NOLA has done. But we saw what NOLA did against Houston uh, score-wise, and, and thankfully some people from the Gold group had uh, some phones out. And, you know, I think it's going to be difficult. I, I don't think that Old Glory will um, be an easy victory. Um, but I think we will know who – we will see the veteran team in this lead most of the game. Uh, the They've just improved. They've gotten more depth. Uh, they've – you know, uh, we, we – I mentioned, I think, last week Tristan Blewett has chosen to – uh, returned to university, uh, not in South Africa though. He is studying at the University of Surrey in the UK, and in lieu of you know returning to MLR, if he does choose to return to MLR, you could see him back with the Nola Gold because he did sign a three-year contract, so that they retain his rights uh, for for three seasons, um, unless he gets traded. So it's pretty. It was overall that's pretty simple. Um, he he had a bunch of stuff come up in his life and. For him, it, he made the decision to go back to uni um, right away. And if, if anything changes, he can be back with the gold. But, um, I mean, they brought in uh, this Argentine that played with uh, the uh, Argentina 15, Julian Dominguez, who is, I mean, every bit is good, maybe better, which would be frightening um, to many teams that there is a more frightening player then Tristan blew it with the ball in hand uh, when it when it comes to just gutting a defense. Uh, I mean, we, we saw last year that they had a really good set piece. What they didn't have was depth. And so, you know, three-year starter uh, with uh, Holden Youngert and then, you know, um, Scott Gale returning at 10. Um, they have they – They have, lost the Silver Fox, though. We, 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 we didn't we didn't touch on that when we talk when talking about well I mean uh, I think you know uh, Taylor Howden will be missed for a lot of reasons but I don't given how little he actually played for them last season in the backfield he was a bench player uh, which I mean you need depth. but definitely he was he was a leader off the field oh no yeah he that, that definitely great, can't be discounted when you're talking about guy, but they have the gold have upgraded their roster. It's it's that simple. So mm-hmm. you want to see them to take another step fo- step forward. Uh, they a lot of the their all of the almost all of their American guys uh, and all of their visa holders, from what I understand, 
got like 35 guys under contract. Over 25 of them stayed in New Orleans over the offseason. So the culture that's going to build uh, for the team is going to be huge. It's just uh, I'm going New Orleans by 10. Minus 10 for NOLA. Yeah, uh, I'm going to be kind of near this that near that same range uh, for NOLA. I'm going to go uh, NOLA minus 12, though. Breaking double digits. And I said Nola minus eight. So we're pretty pretty tight shot grouping on both these first two picks. Indeed. So moving on to Sunday, game three at 3 p.m. Utah at Rattle. Uh, broadcast uh, information has not been released yet. What do you guys got? So um, I know I said it, uh, you know, in, in, in the last section that, uh, that an expansion side beating an original seven team is pretty unlikely. But I'm going to say not really in this case. Uh, ATL is definitely chock full of life and Lindenwood grads who showed us over the preseason. They're already operating their offense at a pretty respectable level. A lot of these guys do have experience with one with, with one another after all. Uh, Utah, meanwhile, not a lot of noise in the preseason um, other than, you know, getting bought out by San Diego. Um, there was a, They also had a documented pair of losses in Las Vegas while training with the Toronto Arrows. They, however, they are returning a number of really talented players who stood out last season, uh, including uh, Vanicolo, Gannon Moore, and the ever-exciting Joshua Whippy, who unfortunately will not be returning with his uh, with his brother. Is it Jared Whippy? Jared, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so Jared Whippy will not be returning to the squad. Um, people who might remember last season, both of them went out with broken legs in consecutive weeks. I, I believe it was season one. Was that, was that season one? Yeah, it was season. Oh one. wow! They took. They both had a rough uh, transition coming into, uh, you know, just coming off those broken legs because it was compound fracture, uh, and it was just it, it was rough for them. And we didn't really get to see the Josh Whippy we had seen uh, when he got capped for the Eagles, and you know that was just disappointing. And towards the end of the year, when he was fully fit. We saw flashes uh, of Josh Whippy, mm-hmm. and uh, it will be great to see him play uh, this season. Doug Coyle, happy to have you listening in tonight. Um, yes, there is no ARC uh, this year. And you know what? As much as I enjoyed that like piece and the, the idea of a winter competition, I am so happy. It is not in the middle of the season. Yeah. That's like it's tough for the American fan base to come to grips with, even if that's normal in you know European rugby or what have you. Uh, that's going to be a tough way to win new fans around here. So I think it's certainly a, a well, uh, well thought out strategic move, if, if nothing else, for USA rugby. Mm-hmm. Uh, and yeah, I, you know, I think Utah, you know, Utah has some has some bombs out there but they also have some really good 80 minute contests you know they were playoff people seem yeah. to forget they were a playoff team in the first season um you know last year they weren't obviously the playoff but they, team yeah well you know they they, 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 they eked on in there i'll give i'll give them that and they they you know they can they competed in their uh in the semifinals that year and you know that wasn't a blowout um and, and you know Last year they had some tough ones, but they also they drew with Glendale. They they pushed New York to within two points in New York. Um, so you know they they are capable of putting together a strong effort. Um, and I think you know 
yeah, it's only a couple of years of experience and, you know, they weren't super successful years all told, but I think two years of experience is going to show well uh, against an expansion team like rugby ATL. Um, so I'm giving it to ATL, but by a small margin here, uh, I'm, I'm going to say ATL by three. This is a team that was similar to Austin, torn down to the studs. They kept some key players like Josh Whippy, uh, Arawa Elkington, uh, the Alex Slim Tucci, uh, Franco Vandenberg, uh, Angus McClellan, um, you know, Moore. Danny Moore. But a lot of you're talking about Alex Tucci, right? Slim, his name, Slim. (laughs) <laughs> yes, Alex Alex Tucci. All right, um, but uh, yeah, they they kept some core players. Uh, Alex is still really re- rehabbing from an I think it was a broken leg um, from last year, and you, you know, but again, I think sixty percent of their roster is new, and then you couple that with new coaching staff, completely new coaching staff. Uh, part of that coaching staff is you know, known to the team in Ben Nichols, who's the assist, who's one of the assistants. They have a full coaching staff and I love this. This is an epic investment that, you know, the, the whole ownership group of the Warriors uh, got behind. It wasn't, I mean, a majority share of, uh, as reported and not denied um, a majority share was taken by the group that owns San Diego and Pete, there have been questions about, is that legal? And I'm like, well, it has nothing to do with the legalities of the law because this is a private business and it happens to deal with franchise agreements and the league constitution. And it's a single entity. So it's, they just bought shares in the league from Utah, Utah's ownership because Utah's, I guess Utah needed money. I don't know. Um, and so now they have the primacy of running two different teams. And we saw this. This happened in the MLS. Uh, if anyone pays attention, you go in there. Lamar there was like four owners in the MLS. I won't there were like two. 12 or 15 teams. There, there like. were two. It was Phil Anschutz with AEG. He owned six. And Lamar Hunt, who owned three. And so, at least, you know, they, they needed that. But you look at... Um. Yes, we'll uh, get to that. One. And but overall, for uh, Utah, it's just going to be a struggle. It's just going to be a real struggle because they've they've done so much. There's so much turnover. Uh, I think this is going to be a building year for them. Uh, they they have a good plan in place with you know directing rugby operations and Brandon Sparks. Then you have uh, Scott Latham. Then you have uh, you know Ben Nichols, Sean Davies, and Sean Pittman. Two Shans, two Eagles. Well, you know all these. There's I mean there's a lot of international experience right there. Sean Pittman, uh, Sean Davies, and Chris La- um, Chris Latham. That's what it is. No, did I say Scott? Yeah, whatever. And uh, but. That's an investment that's going to take time. Uh, and we've seen, as you guys mentioned, what Rugby ATL did with their 404 Academy, what the life players did in the APC. And then we've already seen them play a little bit. They, they, they shocked NOLA uh, in a preseason fixture and went up to Old Glory and played some high-intensity minutes. They did lose that game. But 
if we're if we're looking at consistency of being together and consistency of roster, the majority of the rugby ACL roster has been together for a period of years, a lot of them going through life and other programs together, uh, a bunch of all Americans. So, you know, it's going to be, it's going to be a tough ask for a team that is going East. And I think it's, if we're going to put a number on it, uh, what did, uh, what did you guys put? Um, I say rugby ATL minus seven. And, uh, I, wasn't able to put my score prediction in there at the end of mine, but I'm going to say uh, rugby ATL minus 14. I'm going with uh, some of the big point spreads tonight, apparently. Yeah. All right. So, so far, all, we all pick the same uh, same people for each week. So, uh, for each uh, each match, we'll see if we, we get some different picks in this next one. Uh, I, I, it's just so it's just so tough. Um, well, I well we there there won't be because. Uh, I think uh, somebody is 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 bowing. Um, as a disclosure, uh, Liam does work for the Free Jacks, so he will opt out of all Free Jacks picks going forward. But he might tell us a pick offline. Yeah, um, no. For God's sakes, the, the the emails are are are, are, are sacred. But you know, very secret right of the EOD clan. <laughs> so, what do you guys got? New York travels to New England, kind of. It is yeah. in Vegas at Sam so, Bowie, four yeah. p.m. on Sunday. All right. Well, let me just say it's great to be opening up the the Vegas series. Uh, obviously, the Free Jack organization are honored to be bringing the first big MLR weekend to that city. It's definitely going to be great. Get your tickets now. Um, Rooney, they're under a new coach, but they made a number of big name signings, including Bastro. Um, and yet magically still under the salary cap along with San Diego. It's funny how math works in really large market cities in this league. But anyway, the Jacks, they're coming in with a scrum packed with plenty of effective players in their own right. Uh, obviously Hadakiyama is the main attraction there, but there's tons of players who are young and yet to even reach their full potential, including, uh, Denver Barbo, Evan Geist. Flanker and proud Ohioan Owen Hunt. Great player. Definitely keep an eye out for him. And the terrifyingly tall pairing of Connor Kinnigan and Jackson Thebes in the second row. Um, I think the Jacks are going to work. Uh, are there, I think they're going to actively work to get a lot of set piece opportunities. That means kicking the touch more often than not when it comes to playing the uh, when it comes to playing the territory game. Uh, not only will a lot of the aforementioned guys in the scrum make uh, make it easier in terms of the lineout, in terms of the scrum. But they have a backfield led uh, led by tag leader uh, featuring guys like Danny Collins, Posa Wakanibau, and my personal choice for their preseason MVP, Mitch Wilson, who wait till the season comes. This guy can move and he can shift better than better than many of them. Uh, he kind of actually he, he honestly kind of reminds me of Vini Colo, but uh, I'll get to that. Um, you know, he uh, all those guys, they can be really, really deadly when starting from a solid platform to run their starter plays. Uh, Rooney, however, they had a decent amount of uh, retainment from last season in terms of a lot of their really effective players, and they ended last season as the second-ranked defense in the league, as well as some of the best clock control on ball control uh, among uh, the teams last year. So all in all, I think the Jacks, they definitely have a chance to win in this one, uh, even as one of the new kids on the block, but it's going to come it's going to come down for them getting the points when they can because New York is a team that can make you pay if you uh, if you, if you make a mistake, uh, with, especially with that aforementioned ball control uh, aspect to their to their attack. 
you know, if you if you give the ball up, there's not you're not very likely to be getting it back soon to make up for any kind of mistake that you made. So yeah, no prediction on that game. But you know, free jacks win, of course. Gives you insight. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> um so there, I'll, I'll disagree with that last claim. Uh, I, I think um, it's hard to judge for Jacks a little bit. I think they may be the hardest to pinpoint at this point because so many of their faces are not from the MLR, and you know they haven't had really any any preseason fixtures against other MLR teams where you could you know judge their performance um, very critically. Uh, that said, I think. New York is coming back with kind of all their key cogs last year, plus a huge international signing in Bastero. I think he's going to be, I think all these centers that have come in, including Bastero, uh, are going to be tough on defenses and free jacks who haven't had to. Bastero's number eight. What are you talking about? Yeah, he, yeah, he played number eight uh, this, this past week in the Barbarians game. Um, so maybe he'll play number eight. Uh, I, I think he'll be, he'd be more effective as a center, I think, personally. Uh, in MLR, the fullback man, <laughs> uh, but uh, you know, I, with Cal Marsh back, and I don't know if Petri will be starting, but Petri back, um, you know, Dylan Fawcett, the captain back, who uh, was one of the top try scores last year. I just think that's you know, th- that year under their belts, um, is going to serve them well. And it's a home game for New England, but not really a home game, so uh. Uh, I'm going to tip New York here. I'm saying New York by five. Yeah, but here's the thing is, though, it, it's not, it hasn't been that cold up here in New England. I really would have liked a nice home game to begin the year. But, hey, you know, if it's about spreading the word of rugby to Las Vegas, then I'm all for it. Yeah, uh, you know, when it, when it comes to this game, uh, you know, it, it's going to be interesting because it's really hard to tell based on what – the preseason for New York has looked like, which was the New York Barbarians game this last weekend, which was pretty much one-sided except for the first two minutes when uh, the New York defense did not uh, <laughs> not lead, did get up from their bed until after a score was run 80 meters on them, and then it you know it, it went to pro team versus select side type score and. But overall, it's it's so hard to judge because there is limited film and it is not a new roster. A lot of good pieces have been added, but the coaching staff is different. And I think this coaching staff is going to, you know, really push this roster to be better than it was in a lot of ways. Uh, you, I mean, Marty Veal was the scrum coach for the Sunwolves. I don't know how you get him back here, at least this season. Because it, did anyone did anyone see the Sunwolves game this weekend? They they I, I did not. They took the rebels out and they dropped them off a cliff. It was like twenty five to zero, or maybe might have been thirty five to zero. I need to look. But the Sunwolves are taking no no prisoners this season. So the fact that you know, even though they're out of Super Rugby um, next year, it is. They're paying coaches, so it's really pleasant to see Marty come back to New York. And then you talk about Greg McWilliams, who has been the attack coach for uh, for the Eagles the last two years. He's come up through uh, the U.S. system as a high-performance coach, although he's Irish and he coached the Leinster under-20s and has also coached 
uh, you know, the been the attack coach for Irish women in a in a game that where they beat the U.S. in a World Cup. So, uh, yeah, it, when it when it comes to what they're gonna do uh, on Sunday, I don't really know. I know that they're gonna score points, and I think they're gonna have a more dominant set piece. Uh, what I'm gonna see from New England. I don't know. It's it's really hard to tell. But they did play. Was it three or four de- good development games last spring? Uh, in, in, in the Carrot Cup, yeah, in the Carrot Cup, going that, one and two. You know, so three games that that was really good development for um, that roster. So I I think just because we're trying to get our feet wet here. Uh, for New York with a new system in place and everything, I'm, I'm going to be conservative uh, here with the scoreline and go New York minus seven. Okay, so we're all still on the same page then pretty much. Uh, Liam, will assume you picked New York by something around there. Oh, good. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, moving forward to game five, which is at 5 p.m. Eastern on Sunday. Um, Seattle versus uh, travels down to San Diego. Uh, this one is. I need to look. Is this the game of the week? Yeah, this yeah. CBS. This was, CBS. Yeah, it's, it's the yeah. championship rematch, baby. This yeah. is the game of the week on CBS SN. Uh, this is on the schedule, uh, and you know, take it away. Yeah, as Liam mentioned, it's the rematch of last year's championship. Is the second. Time that the season is open with a rematch of the last year's championship. So I like that. I like I like that tradition. And you know, in both previous seasons, Seattle was the champion who lost twice in the regular season uh, to the runner-up. So um, I I am on record in my bold predictions article from a few weeks ago saying I don't think Seattle makes the final four this year. Um, so I'm going to stick with that vein here and say, you know, San Diego is probably my preseason pick for champion. Um, so I just think, you know, we, we've talked about importing people. They brought in Mon Nonu probably, I mean, between him and beast are probably the two biggest imports. Mon Nonu all black. Uh, oh, Kiyama, baby. He's good too, but this is a two time world cup winner. Uh, so you know, hard, hard to any, I think he's something like 125 points in his international career for the All Blacks. So huge uh, point score for San Diego on a team that was already the best team by record last year. Home game for San Diego. I think they take it down. All right. All right. So no disrespect whatsoever to the Rain City Dickfish, uh, who are still, honestly, in my opinion, the most complete team in MLR today. But just listing San Diego's back line gives me chills. You guys, JP Duplassis, Makitea, Ryan Matias, Osberger, Osley. I could go on with some of their new signings, but this team ended last year ranked number one in defense, and I believe they were number two in scoring. The fact that they didn't walk away with the shield still honestly astounds me. But we can't discount the fact that Seattle is rolling in with a litany of great players themselves. They have Seaman Dean as a pair at fly half, so that's going to be great depth for them. Uh, Shalom Suniula is a solid vet. Kai Penny, uh, he's one of those guys who really showed us some of his true colors at the end of last year. And Reichert Hadding is, well, Reichert Hadding, and you know, he's kind of a really good rugby player. I don't know if anybody watching is aware of that. Um 
honestly, I, I, I think San Diego is one of these teams that can just spread the ball around at will. They can score at will. I think it's just going to come down to be, to remaining consistent throughout the whole game, which is something Seattle's really good at. Just like I said, they're a very well-balanced team that can keep up the attack. They have a bunch of players with really, really good motors. But it, it's kind of like the Kansas City, Kansas City Chiefs. If they can drop a million points on you at any given time, but they just have some they have some deficiencies with game management, and that's where you know any of their losses usually come. I look at so I'm, I'm so in terms of my prediction, I'm going to go San Diego minus eight. Hmm. Hmm. There's your chance, Aaron. There's your chance. Oh. To Break the mold. Before I, I dig deep into this, remember uh, if they want to win, uh, they have to. So history says that the team that the 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 fish um, that the the sea wolves defeat in the final, they have to lose to twice um, <laughs> during the season. That that is the history of the league. So if they want to win the conference final against San Diego, because that that's going to be the conference final, it has to be right, or at least. My way too early prediction is that not, not according to Craig Rodelli's bold predictions, it doesn't. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, in order to beat them in a conference final, they have to lose to him twice. So I'm going, going San Diego. Uh, but man, you talk about complete rosters. I know Patty Ryan's gone, but, but Mitchell just spent uh, the. I mean, I, I'm going to get to one of those locks. If it's not the the Italian one, Doug, uh, then I don't. I, I have no clue. Uh, but I, I know there's an Italian one that that is for real. Uh, but uh, you just like uh, Aaron Mitchell. He went down to a not a provincial club, but a club in South Africa and played all summer. Devin Short was down there playing all summer. Both clubs they went to were daily training environments, so they just got rugby fed to them at a trough and they like S and C everything. So they are back and um, ready to go. And I think Aaron Mitchell will raise his hand. Uh, We've been, we've all been waiting for it, right? This guy was a high school American prop, uh, you know, and then went and, you know, went, went out there to uh, Fresno State and was a four, I think it was a four-year starter at guard. Uh, so he got more development out in a different sport. So I, they are going to have, I think, a dominant front row in this game. It will be interesting to see uh, how Jake Yelnicki and Sears Justice Duru, um, uh, the Justice Sears Duru, why do I always screw that one up? Uh, the, the judge, as I say, the judge. It'll be interesting to see what the loose heads do against Mitchell uh, in this one. And, and you look at their their locks. They've got they've got a lot of locks. Jeez, you you talk about Stanfield, an Ironman. He's back. Uh, si Mahoney is the most. I thought he was crazy fit here when he did get time. Like he looked fit. He's he's leaner now. And bigger, that that if if that doesn't scare anyone, uh, I, I I don't know what would. Yeah. Uh, and then you talk about, I mean, the magician is back, uh, Joe Peterson. I think he's actually going to play fullback in his natural position, but he'll be captaining this side. Then you bring in Luke Burton, who is the starting ten for the for the Western Force, 
and he's just been tearing it up in the preseason. Yeah, it was, you know, uh, against how they did, and it's re- really hard to tell what they did in their preseason, but uh, for the most part, we saw the Seawolves uh, do something against the Mako, and it will be, I think, that game prepared them very well for the level of physical intensity that San Diego brings to every game. Uh, but with it being home, I just have to go San Diego, whether it's this up front or those backs, because it, you, I'm not saying you could make two dominant teams out of this roster, but you could get pretty close. Like they are loaded. Um, SD. I don't know if I can go double digits, but I'm going SD minus nine. Well, so here's the thing. You want to do SD minus 10, but you just don't want to commit to the double digits. I, I, I don't. I'll take have some cojones, Aaron. You stay, you stay at nine. I'll take 10. Uh, and we'll stay with our very, very uh, – look, fearful dirt, great minds. We're all aligned. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, think, I think this will be the first week we actually ever – in the history of the show for three seasons – that ever every game is uh, completely aligned. Uh, uh, you know, we're all. It's the first week we're all going to be wrong. Watch every single one of these is going to be right. wrong. We go over six or whatever. Right, U- Utah blows out Toronto. Freaking <laughs> <laughs> Utah flies to Toronto, blows them out. <laughs> uh, moving to game six, uh, eight p.m. Eastern. Or AGs. Or- Sorry, the the, the Gilbronies <laughs> blowing out Toronto at the Gilbronies. <laughs> The jabronis, sorry, uh, I, I will adhere. I will recognize them as nothing else but the jabronis. Uh, they are playing at the Austin Bold Stadium at Circuit of the Americas, so that will be cool. According to my YouTube TV, it is on FS2. So just uh, just to let you know, according to my YouTube TV, it's on FS2, which will be at 8 p.m. Eastern on Sunday, uh, the final game of the week. Um, what do you guys got? Well, um, so clear-cut victory for Toronto. I'm just going to come out and say that. But honestly, don't count out the Jabronis this season, considering their rush of signings under the new ownership, um, among a few other things. Um, there are a few MLR vets on this wa- roster worth getting excited about. People like Lerone White in the front row, who, uh, in his own right, he's a pretty terrifying ball carrier, not just uh, working in the scrum. Then you guys, then you have uh, people like Zinzan, Elon Puddick, and Roderick Waters in the back row. So we've all seen what, what Zinzan can do. Uh, he, he's a pretty good ball carrier, really good stable presence back there at fullback. He can also uh, have some, some versatility moving into wing and at center. Uh, Roderick Waters, he hasn't played any regular season Major League Ropey games. However, he spent a fair amount of last year's preseason with the, uh, with the Houston Sabercats, uh, along with a lot, of, a lot of time with their developmental team, the West Houston Lions. This – it's hard to explain Roderick. He is – He's not the tallest person in terms of stature, but he is built like a house of bricks. If you punch this kid in the chest, you might honestly break your wrist, whether or not you punch correctly or not. He he has a he can go from zero to sixty in two seconds. I swear to God, I can't say enough about the athleticism of Roderick Waters. Uh, great kid off, off the field as well. Just recently became a father a few months ago. So yeah, definitely get excited about Roderick Water if you're a Jabroni fan. I might yeah, just, I, look, I, I wasn't expecting to come into this as a as a pro 
Oh, Dan. Oh, and great. obviously Dan Moore. Just got to say Dan Moore for the sake of it. You know, yeah. great player for Toronto. Yeah, I mean, I I think Toronto. Right, you know, I, I, as a, even as a Rooney supporter, I to me, I think Toronto's the team to beat in the East right now. Um, just, I think they, you know, they were burdened by a very tough schedule last year with their first half of their season away, and um, I, I think that and a year of experience for them as well. Uh, I, I think they're going to be very tough for anyone this year. Austin obviously was the poorest performing team last year. Boy, what makes you say that? What? What makes you say that? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, I mean, boy has a lot of pain in the last few days. Other than they're on their second name since last year. New ownership, new fields, new players coming in. They have uh, Ashley um, Ashley Cooper from uh, Australia. Um, so not here yet. Yeah, none of these yeah. guys are here yet. All right. What, Kurt what Marath, supposedly. Yes, Curtin Rath. I saw that on America. Uh, that's a yes. Um, that is a yes. I don't know if he's here, though. Yeah. So I, I do think Toronto's going to win this one handily. Um, but I also think the Gilgronies have a better 2020 in store for them than the Austin Elite did in 2019. Uh, you know, this one's this one's going to be sideways. Um, I really think so. I think, uh, like Craig said, I, I think the the ags, the ogs, whatever I don't know what you're gonna call them. The Gilgronies. Um. The uh. Yeah. The Gil. The Gilgroni. The Gronies. We're gonna go with the Gronies. Just we're gonna go with the Gronies. And their season will be better. I think you you have a solid coaching staff in place now. Um. That communicates with their players. Hmm. And it wasn't just the French guy that wasn't communicating if you talk to them. Um, but uh, if you look at that roster, I think the, the Gronies of Austin has uh, definitely upgraded. Uh, they've got some exciting players, especially as Alex notes in the back line. I know that Alex is also trying to get a, get a, get a, get an injury slot from, for the <laughs> Gronies. Um, aren't you Alex? Uh, <laughs> uh, but uh they they are like they are they're going to be a better team. I think in this game they will even do some surprising things. But the consistency of Toronto, knowing their system, consistency of culture, they've added pieces. The consistency of coaching staff, it will be, uh, you know, what is is going to move them early in the season and against a team that has had so much turnover, it's, it's going to be rough uh, when they, you know, when they play, but they did have a good outing against the Raptors, which I did mention. So I'm not certain that the, 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 that Toronto, the arrows will have a dominance in the set piece. I think even so, well, Eh, maybe not because the Raptors did not have a good set, good, good scrum last year at all. So, but they won't. I I don't think Gil Austin will be walked over like they were at times last season uh, in the scrum. I think they will have a, a very good uh, time. There is a loss for uh, the Austin side if anyone you know is going on. Uh, Wesley White uh, has been released from his contract. Uh, there, there are reasons behind that. 
basically, from what I understand, he is actually not eligible under the three-year rule and was told that, uh, which you would think, because he actually didn't go back to South Africa a lot during his period at Lindenwood, but uh, he was told that he was not Eagle eligible now, and uh, he has chosen to pursue other options. So it's not that, you know, he was eligible. It's that he somehow wasn't. And this is where, you know, these world rugby regulations get really weird, but that's, that's all I'm going to touch on for that. And this was one of the top, you know, flankers in the U S coming out of college. And because of some stupidity, uh, we, we've lost not, not on his part, but because of world W R world rugby, um, we're going to lose a guy who was ready to commit to the U S he'd already, he was an all American. He, this dude wore the shirt, you know, he was ready. Like he, he wasn't going back to South Africa to try to play for South Africa. I think, you know, uh, I think there are opportunities that have got that are hit that have come his way and he will take advantage of those. Uh, opportunities as well. Um, so we'll see. But overall, score-wise, uh, what did I put there? Um, Toronto minus 16 is what I'm looking at. Yeah, and I'm going to go Toronto minus 20. Uh, I'll, I'll say Toronto by 14. All right, so all, all kind of within six points, more yeah. or less. So you got the the official earful of dirt ticket here uh, for the this week. It's all the same, just the points are different. Uh, so moving on um, to our questions from Bob segment, we took uh, a question. It's been a while since I've been able to do on that. Twitter and on Facebook, but no one submitted any on on Twitter. But from Jeff Kennett, Papa Kitty SD, he's like, seems like Ferno is in North County via his IG. Is he back? I believe so. I'm pretty, yeah. I, from what I, I asked some people, not confirmed by the team, but I asked some people around the team that Ferno is back. Um, or he just really likes the waves in Cardiff. I don't, I, Cardiff by the sea, not Cardiff, Wales. So, yeah, that's, that is going to be important, I think. All right. <sighs> Going on so, to the next question for you guys, um, Matt Polanski will at Matt Polanski one on Twitter says, what are your thoughts on the herd rebranding as the Gilgronies and what the heck <laughs> is the actual Gilgroni? So Craig, I know you, you, you'll like this, but in the words of the great Lando Calrissian, I don't like it. I don't agree with it, but I respect it. And that's that that that's me with the Gilgronies. From what I'm from what I've heard, it's going to be named after a forthcoming drink. And more than that, it's a it's a rugby nickname or of of somebody who's invested in the uh in the team or something like that. Yeah. So yeah. So the the there's kind of a c- couple of elements of that question to me. Uh, the Gilgroni allegedly. So if you look at if you Google, but when this first broke, before there was a press release or anything, when you just I think actually I saw Aaron's tweet that uh, Austin had been renamed the Gilgroni. I just Googled Gilgroni. Google does not know what a Gilgroni is, but it, one thing led to another. They didn't know what a free jack was either, did they? Someone was making jokes about this, and it was yeah. like, oh, this is the top five searches. No, the top five searches are the Ticketmaster, 
the Austin Gilgronis and like the 8,000 trademark applications they yes. put in for this. That's, for this that's what I found. So not only have, has this organization, which it turns out is a Australian buyer of the team uh, owned by a guy named Gilchrist, but uh, not only has they trademarked Gilgroni, but all sorts of cocktails with Gil jammed into the front of it, like Giltini, <laughs> uh, Gilgarita. Uh, I don't know why they chose Gilgroni. <laughs> which I presumably is a play on the Negroni, um, unless it's an egg chasers joke. I, I don't know what, <laughs> I don't know why that would be the one, but first of all, I didn't think the herd was a great name. The herd is not right exactly. There. Right it, was, there. it was basic as basic AF. Yeah. Um, so I, I wonder, so if this is, if it's a play on a Negroni. Um, so what you got in here is gin, Vermouth and Campari and Gilchrist. So you would would you since it's it's Texas, right? Would you replace it the gin with tequila and not just one part gin, but would you make it three parts gin? Yeah. Well, more alcohol is always. I I mean, from the press release, it it, it described it as a Texas sized cocktail to be released. So, so like 10 shots of. Yeah. So, I'm thinking it's just going to be a giant Negroni, maybe wearing a cowboy hat. Um, (laughs) I saw that. Yeah. yeah. It's going to have like, you know, kind of like a margarita, like, or sorry, like, kind of like, like a, um, What's the hangover drink with that's disgusting with tomatoes? Um, Bloody Mary, kind of like a, like like the, how restaurants like to get creative with Bloody Marys. I like it's gonna Mary. have like a whole rack of ribs, like you no, know, <laughs> st- you know, like stuck in stuck in <laughs> on a straw or like on a, yeah. on a thingy, like on top of it. Yeah, oh, man. I'm whole so I get, yeah. Well, Bloody Marys are disgusting, and I'll die on that hill. <laughs> I, so I, I'll, I'll, I'll agree with you. Actually, I don't know if it's brilliant or idiotic the name itself i guess we'll see when the drink comes out how awesome the drink is i'll be in austin this weekend for a a rugby wedding for my club uh kyle you know tight head kyle dean is having the big day this is gonna be some 40 odd new york rugby players ascending on austin uh, i'll try to find a gil groaning but um i'm saying is with that name um if it was something else that was benign they would have gotten no press yeah, exactly I thought the herd was pretty. I, I know the person who came up with that, and I know trademark stuff is tough, but I thought the herd was pretty weak. I mean, Austin Elite was pretty weak, and this is just different, and it's fanciful, and it gives you the and fanciful. I mean, it, in trademark law, it, it gives you a ton more protections than you know Austin Herd Rugby which you know there were herds in Austin when people drove cattle and all that stuff so um and yeah. who wants to be named after the intimidating herd of slow moving grazing animals <laughs> all right. uh all right um to the next question oh we were supposed to point this out like five episodes ago but i totally forgot um because we we're we were doing outlines and not scripts Seawolves' number one re-signing of the season was Rucky the Seawolf. <laughs> and oh, Rocky. To, to celebrate the top signing of, of their roster, you can now buy stuffed Ruckies, stuffed mini Ruckies for $20 on the Seawolves' website. So you better... You better He's got his own Twitter account now, I saw. Yeah. Mm. Um, so at Stuff, Rucky... Stuffed dick fish sounds like a delicacy. <laughs> oh, gosh. <laughs> at, at, at Rucky the Seawolf, 
says, what do you think about Mike Tolkien saying he thinks Seattle are going to three-peat? Well, sounds like Mike Tolkien's a little salty at somebody, but, you know. <laughs> but, um, I mean, yeah. not out of the realm of possibility. Yeah, I mean, how could you how could you count him out? I mean, Tolkien's, you know, uh, forwards coach from last year with Rooney is now coaching in Seattle, Keith Lensing. So that's a you know, vote of confidence in his former colleague. Um, I mean, they're definitely one of the favorites. Uh, we've covered on this podcast a little bit my my personal view, which is they're not going to repeat. Uh, but I love watching them. I mean, I wouldn't be mad about it. Uh, I just think. Yeah, I think they're they haven't made enough progress uh, compared to these other teams that are really arming up. So I'm going to disagree with Coach Tolkien on that one. But uh, yeah, I, I think the Vegas bookmakers would put them in the top three. You know, for sure, uh, odds wise. They added some pieces, and I had that same opinion last year. I didn't think they got good enough. Um, they didn't add the right pieces, and then the luscious, sexy man that is Brad Tucker. He uh, he proved us all wrong, Brad Bradley. Uh, this is like with Dan Power, like Dan Dan had Dan Power, um, you know, fellow so podcaster, he, commentator. Also has a, a love affair with with uh, Brad Tucker. Brad, like, oh my gosh, Brad Tucker, Player of the Year, difference maker. Uh, can play lock, can play six, can play eight. I thought, but overall, I. I think they're a playoff team, but I think San Diego will have figured out what they've done wrong, and they'll get over that hump. That's what I think is going to happen. Uh, he's going to beat them twice last year and, and kill repeating, them repeating is tough twice, and the circumstances for both years were basically a perfect storm, lots of drama, and. It, it was, you know, it, they the, the team really rallied together. And I know that, you know, now that they don't have all those crazy things happening, will that take away the fire? I, I don't I, – I think they're driven. They're professionals. I just think the odds of repeating a third time when you flip the coins is very difficult, especially when everyone else – I have to say everyone else got better and they got better too. But the question is how much did they get better? Well, here's, here's the thing, Aaron. Look, look at the division system now because they're, they're not going to be playing. Uh, you know, so you, you have, you have Houston, you have Utah and you have the, you have, you have the, uh, and you have the Austin Gilgroni, Jabroni, Magoni, you know, whatever Onis. That's so that's six games right there against, you know, no offense to any of those teams, but bottom tier of, of, oh, of the league. No, this is where I look, I look at the teams in conference for them. And this is, I mean, we talked about that previously, that the the East is actually kind of wide open by comparison. Yeah. But, I mean, by comparison to the West, the East is kind of wide open. If you look at the strength of those other rosters, um, Seattle conceivably has – I'm not going to jinx them. Conceivably, you would favor them in eight of their 10 conference fixtures right now. Like you would favor them in eight of their 10 conference fixtures. The then for one, and then if you look at the ones where they might not be favored, you probably favor them at home against San Diego 
and you don't favor – no, and you favor them. Really? You don't – you think San Diego is going to go up to the Fortress of Starfire and beat them again? They did last year. And with, like, I think it was three – two – they had a red card. 14 guys. And 100 like, inches of rain. And uh, like so – I mean, both rain games, they won. That was crazy. So it takes a lot to beat San Diego, but – I think what I would say is in 10 of their conference fixtures, you probably favor them in nine. So that's going to put them in the playoffs. Easy, I think. Um, because yeah. they're prob- they only need to win one or two to get – they only need to win one more probably to get the the third seed and probably just two more to get the second seed in the playoffs for the West. So, I mean I- – I just think it's going to be tough for them to get through San Diego and and then also win in the championship because it's just going to be tough. That's it. Indeed, indeed. Um, then this one, what was it? Ah, Palmer DeArmond or at P DeArmond thirty three. Um, this is a longer question, guys. With the third season of MLR around the corner. Do y'all think there will be an uptick in viewers and new fans going to games? Do you think CBS Sports should model NBC on how rugby in the U.S. is shown? And is there a process with these clubs? And what is the process with these clubs with introducing rugby to kids? I guess that's two questions. So yeah. work on broadcasting first. So uh, in, in, in terms of in, in terms in terms of broadcasting, like, like we've said, there isn't a whole lot of clarity. Um in terms of how the games are going to be shown, we we know they're going to be shown on TV. I, like you know, I, I wouldn't have too much worry uh, in terms of that aspect. Um, when it when it comes to people attending games, I think there's definitely going to be an uptick. A lot of the OG seven have had now had three years to establish kind of a community outreach uh, facet, um, you know, to, to 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 their media and their marketing plans. So, um, and obviously like up here in New England, we've been selling out a season tickets faster than we can even advertise them. So that, and that's, you know, more or less the story with a lot of the other more popular teams. Um, in terms of getting rugby out to kids, um, like at least up here in New England, we've been doing a lot of community outreach with schools, with local clubs, uh, with going to community events, uh, such as Lawn, and, Lawn, Lawn on D in, in South Boston, which was a big, um, you know, community event for families. So... You know, it, doing it, community outreach before broadcasting. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, kick it. So what do you think, like, what is the process that you've seen with community outreach for New York? Similar stuff. Uh, they do a lot of school uh, meetings. My wife is a principal school, and they, they came and uh, – you know, met the students there. Um, that, that must be terrifying to get into arguments with her. If your wife's a, is a, is a principal, like I, I feel like, did you just wake up having anxiety of homework assignments that you, you know, you had in eighth grade that you didn't finish? Like right. she, she wins all the arguments and I'm constantly in detention. Jackie's, Jackie <laughs> is a really lovely lady. So um, you yeah. probably would willingly lose every, 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 I every do. quite right. Uh, but yeah, same stuff. I mean, they, they, they're obviously establishing their academy, which isn't, you know, youth per se, but it's it's moving in that direction. So there's probably a downward pressure, you know, starting at the senior level that will work its way towards youth rugby. 
And then right now it's mostly community engagement stuff like schools, sport, you know, local sports teams, local businesses. I think we we've seen like when you look at academies, uh, Doug Coyle, uh, listening to the show, he uh, has a bunch of interviews. One of those with Sam Gillespie, the manager of Rugby United New York, and also the academy director for Rugby United New York. It is just like we're still in this place where there's no strict definition of academy. There's no strict definition of senior academy, junior academy, and whatnot. We know that uh, simultaneously different ventures over the period of time that Rooney has been in existence. They've had, they have a senior academy. I think this year they're going to try and um, reach out and like at least have a sponsored U18 team because there's going to be a U18 team apparently from Ireland coming over for a tour and they want to um, upskill some of the, the local players and, you know, put the Rooney shirt on them. But a lot of the teams, Glendale was the first team to field an academy side and it was like none of the other teams were in the same space to be able to do that because Glendale has been a program for a very long time and they, you know, basically played college teams uh, in the in the fall, and that produced a bunch of players for them uh, through their academy. Uh, Mika Mika Cruz um, being one of those, and it, you know, it's 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 crazy uh, when it comes to what academies look like. I think we're starting to a lot of teams have senior academies. We're starting to see practice squads. Um, Seattle has a practice squad. Uh, there are, I think New York has a practice squad. So you're starting to see those terms being thrown out instead of senior academy uh, because senior academy, um, you tend to limit like at 23 tend to be. So you're seeing development opportunities for local players who are willing to commit to the team who currently also are willing to do it for free. And there is that opportunity for them to get signed, as we've seen with New York. Two guys got promoted from the practice squad. They were willing to commit, and they pushed through camp, making no money in camp, and they got promoted based on merit. So there are these opportunities out there that are starting to spring up throughout the league for older senior players to continue their development. But then we look at community outreach. Uh, San Diego has a bunch of their players coaching different youth programs. We look at um, Houston is starting to push their players out to coach different youth programs. Uh, Austin has been, has reshaped a lot of their community efforts. They're out uh, in the schools. Uh, Seattle is out in the schools. And that's the biggest thing. If you get continuously get in the schools all the time, these kids go, as a professional rugby player, mom, can we can we go to a game? And so, you know, we're starting to see that take more and more shape. And part of that is because salaries incrementally over the first two seasons are higher. So you can put more demands on your players so that they don't have to go to it. More of them don't have to go to a day job. So there's that one. Okay. That was long winded. I'm sorry. I talked so much, but uh, broadcasting, do we want, do we think that CBS will go vertical? Uh, I know that CBS, like any, so I guess the question is, do you think like CBS has been the main broadcaster? Uh, are the, I know MLR 
well, I don't know this, but I, Brian Ray mentioned this, that if the numbers are good, uh, the, the MLR probably wants to go under all one hat, all one hat and via streaming and all that stuff. And I don't know if it's CBS or Fox or ESPN, if the numbers are good. Is yeah. it going to be flow? Flow could be the wild. No, I don't even want to put that out into the universe. Never mind. It'll all be on the Earth of Dirt Facebook page. Hey, um, hey. I, I think the, you know it, it, it's hard. You know, there's so little official data out there. We know the ratings for the championship last year were good on CBS. You know, just anecdotally, it seems to me that all these rugby properties are growing in popularity. Not. Super, super fast, but noticeably fast. And I think NBC is acquiring a lot more rights. You know, now you have the NBC Pub Pass available here in the States. That's a new thing. I, there's a lot of unofficial anecdotal signs to me that point to increasing demand for bro- rugby broadcasting. I don't know if it's the increase is so big that it's reached a scale that's going to materially change anything from your, you know, you as the fan standpoint, it's probably well, going to seem the same this year. Um, but, you know, a few more years of growth and maybe we'll hit a, a level of size of demand that you see kind of a paradigm shift this year because oh, rumored, rumored fought FS2 and ESPN knows those are Nielsen rated channels, which is, you get ratings for unrated channels, but they're not the same as Nielsen rated channels. And CBS said was not Nielsen rated. So the numbers you're getting are from CBS and not verified by a third party, which Nielsen is. So this opportunity this year gets by spending the extra money that it is on production for games for 34 more games to go on linear. They get to collect 34 games of data. Whereas last year there was one. Which is the championship, right? Yeah. Yeah. So there you go. Tune in, folks. You owe it. Uh, you, you can contribute to the financial success of MLR by watching these games and getting the Nielsen ratings up. All right. So last question from LL Rugby. Same as last week. Oh, man, this can be long. When will MLR start requiring teams to have their own stadium? I'm just going to say year 10. You know, because honestly, building a stadium is a lot of work. And especially for some of these larger market teams like L.A., San Diego, you know, Boston, especially New York. Real estate costs a lot of money in those cities and is not that, you know, and is not that easy to come by, especially, you know, in terms of viable locations with in regard to parking, public transportation. There's a lot of, you know, thought. There's a lot of aspects that go into building a stadium rather than just getting a big old plot of land. Yeah. You know, uh, I, mean, I, I wish I wish the Homestead Act applied to rugby, <laughs> but it doesn't. I mean, neither the New York Giants or the New York Knicks or you know hardly any of the teams that I support have their own stadiums. Well, I mean, the, the Knicks don't even show up to play, so um, <sighs> um, they, they 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 show up to collect the paycheck. That's for sure. Billy They're Joel not doing anything with the points. The Knicks so, just borrow it. So I remember this goes, this dates us all. I remember it before like the spring and Diana Anderson did an interview with Matt McCarthy that is on rugby wrap ups website. Uh, and they talked, it, like, there was going to be an establishment of a, a media company called rugby United marketing. I, I don't think that's, 
I think it, the LLC exists, but I don't think there's been too much pushed into that because rooming or rum, rum, yeah, sure. sort of like sum or rim. What? Yeah, and uh, but I don't think we've we're at the point where we could take advantage of having our own rights selling company. Uh, and but she mentioned in that same like interview that there was the requirements that the league was working on, which there were 10 teams at the time said that the, the minimum standard for the league was going to be owning, well, control of a 4,000 seat venue. And if we look back, the only team that had control in season one, the only two teams, no. So there were three teams that had control of a 4,000 seat, rugby-ish venue. Does the grass have to be connected to the ground in the venue? Is that stipulated? Uh, so you had – so in season one, you had a 6,000-seat venue in Torero. You had a 5,000-seat venue in um, in Zions, and you had a 5,000-seat venue expandable to seven if they put the bleachers up uh, in Infinity Park. Everything else – was smaller than 4,000 except for part of the season when you had uh, the Sabercats out at um, Sugarland. Sugarland. Yeah. So, and we've seen that the, uh, that the, the stadium stuff really hasn't changed too much. Austin went into a cavern in an 11,000 seat Dell diamond. Uh, we've seen a, now a 4,000 seat or 4,000 capacity venue. Uh, go up at a Viva, uh, and the gold will move into a 10,000 seat venue in the gold mine. Uh, but it's stadiums are tough, man. And primacy, I don't know what this guy's talking about. On this well, no, 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 nobody's talking about two hand touches. <laughs> so, 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 for the audio listeners right now, we, we're just getting some weird comments. Uh, but uh, anyway, yeah, yeah, it's just real estate's tough. In stadiums, I don't think you need to be at the point. You just every team needs to have a good lease and expandability to grow their fan base because ticket sales for every single league in America are a huge part of revenue. They may not be a huge part of revenue for Super Rugby, but the, if you look at the NFL's revenue game day game day revenue, which means ticket sales and merchandise, is over a third of their total revenue. So. For this league, we need butts and seats. So, I mean, we're not at a point where we could just say, hey, it's all broadcasting. Yeah. So, yeah. I think that's it, guys. Yeah, thank you, green shirt guy. That was that was that was a great <laughs> that, that was a great spiel. Yeah, next yeah. time we record, it'll be the season. There'll be some results. Yeah. Yeah, no, yeah, we'll actually be doing game reviews and not just previews and wild speculation. Do we have names for you know? I like the names of the different matchups. We got the Cold War. Any other? Uh, does Seattle San Diego have a name? There's, there's a battle there. The I don't know if it's called the Battle of the Border, but Battle of the Beaver Dams is the. the I like Border War for Rooney, but yeah, yeah. Border War is what they called it last year, and then I know Bill Webb's been calling it uh, Battle of the Beaver Dams. We're going to call it Border War. So I I think Houston versus Nola should be the Battle of I ten. But what what about 
want matches that are happening this week. I mean, Cold War, New York versus Boston or New England is occurring. And any of these other – It is cold. The, the barometer dropped, and it is freezing down here. I mean, it's 50. It was like 50 when I got on the train. So it's going to be cold in Vegas this weekend. may not be 20, but it's going to be cold. It's a dry cold. <laughs> it's a dry cold. Okay. <laughs> All right. We'll think of, I'll think of names for next week. Seattle versus San Diego deserves a name. Yeah, that that definitely does. Um, the the coast fist fight. Oh. Ooh, coast <laughs> coastal clash. The co- coastal clash. There we go. Okay. Right. Um. All right. Anything crunchy, else? Crunchy hippies versus surfer bros. Like, what are you guys' final thoughts before I let you go to bed? Uh, it's eleven forty right now here on the East Coast, and I'm wicked tired, kid. All right, keep it real. Yep. On our way out, please note that all opinions expressed on this broadcast are those of the hosts and guests, and do not necessarily reflect the beliefs or practices of Major League Rugby, its teams, or the league. Aaron Castro is employed by Major League Rugby. Liam Poach is employed by the New England Free Jacks. Their opinions are their own. Thank you for listening to Earful of Dirt, the Major League Rugby podcast. Connect with your hosts throughout the week on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Earful of Dirt. Or email your thoughts and questions to earfulofdirt at gmail.com. Be sure to tune in next week. Until then, get out there and enjoy some rugby. Rugby.